Okay, dads, welcome to Dad Space, a place for dads, a podcast for dads, by dads. And you have two dads today. I'm a dad. My guest is a dad. So a perfect spot for two dads to hang out. Uh, this dad is out on his porch having coffee. I'm in my basement, huddled in trying to stay warm in Canada here, having my coffee. So we're both sharing coffee, sharing dad stories. Welcome to the podcast. Andy Izzard is here, and I'm so excited to have Andy here on the show. Welcome to Dad Space. Nice to have you here. Thanks, Dave. I'm so excited. I've been looking forward to this all week, and I'm, you were just such a like a kind personality already. I have enjoyed our time, and I'm so excited to do this episode with you. So thank you for having me on. So if you're watching the video of this, you will enjoy as much as I am being out on the porch with Andy as he sips his coffee. It looks like heaven, like very relaxing and beautiful and tranquil. So nice. Andy, tell everybody where you are in this great big world of ours. Yes, yeah, so I'm not in Canada. I'm, I'm in Arizona. So <laughs> I'm in the States. Um, and Arizona is pretty diverse. So I'm like I grew up in the desert, you know, kind of in the central area around Phoenix and finally moved up to the mountains this last year. So now I've actually got pine trees and cool weather and snow sometimes and it's it's kind of my paradise so i'm not as happy as i could possibly be up here <laughs> there you go so my first trip to phoenix i worked for a well they're not a sponsor so we'll do it this way i worked for a large <laughs> pet company who have pet stores in the u.s and canada they think they're smart let's put it that way um and mm. they have their head mm. office in phoenix so i flew from canada to phoenix arizona in august <laughs> Pause for pause for the laugh. For those who for don't first, know, <laughs> yeah. For the first time ever, I had never been to Phoenix in my entire life. I had never been south of New York City. How's that? Ever? It's different. Okay, so I I left an air conditioned car on air conditioned bus to an air conditioned airport in Toronto. Jumped on an air conditioned <laughs> plane to an air conditioned airport. Direct flight straight to Phoenix. And when I walked through those doors, out out of the airport for the very first time, I swear there was like ten or fifteen people local sitting at the door just waiting for for me to walk through, because I almost oh, melted in that second when those doors opened. I'm like, oh no, this isn't real. This is not real, <laughs> and it's real, right? It's real. People describe it like an oven. And I mean, honest to God, when you open your oven after baking pizza or pastries or whatever it is, and you get that in the face of heat, that is that is exactly, exactly what it feels like. I've worked outside for a few summers and like it is just it never quite goes away and you never quite get used to it. It is just it's hot. <laughs> Uh, and when, when we got there, they're like, make sure you don't leave any of your like deodorant in the car. And I'm like, oh, what? Don't leave goners. deodorant. They're like, it's liquid. I'm like, okay. Like, oh. <laughs> And I, I met my first cactus for the first time there. That was oh. a nice, very um, pointed meeting. Uh, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. And, and I could see the sidewalks go around the cactus. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. So anyways. It's Amazing it's place. different, man. I I'm so curious about where you live, especially being so close to the falls. I'm like I have no reference for it. I, I I was born and raised in Arizona, so I'm like what I know is desert with a little bit of forest. But I'm like I this is the coldest I've ever felt is like four degrees. That's that's the coldest, and I'm mean, that was by a long shot. I grew up never feeling anything less than thirty, 
I'm like, I don't know what you experience, but it cannot be what I've experienced. <laughs> okay, so this is Dad Space. We're here to talk about the dad stories. And one thing I really liked when we talked um, before coming on was you shared a story about a, a podcast, uh, Direct Advice for Dad's podcast. And you were listening to this podcast at a time when you needed it. And you didn't even realize, I guess, at that moment, how much you needed this episode in the show and listening to a story that helped you and your family at that moment. And I love podcasts. Be well, because we're on one. <laughs> and um, But I love the fact that we can be a part of somebody's life as a podcaster, as a guest. And somebody's going to be listening to our episode, Andy, and and maybe having the same moment that you had. Think about that for a second. That's mind mind blown right there. Somebody's nice. listening to our show today, you and I, and they might be having something similar they're living through. But you were listening to the show with wow. direct advice for dads. And can you tell me a little bit about maybe the podcast and how you found it and maybe yeah. the episode that kind of spoke to you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I we I learned that we were going to be having a kid and I pretty quickly concluded that I knew not enough uh, about what kids are or need to feel comfortable. So I think I pretty much just got on Apple and searched like dad podcasts. And it was one of those that came up and I'm like, good enough. Um, let's, let's start listening to something. And I think I listened to a few of them at the time, but, but that one especially is a couple of Australian dads and they're just like two different personalities, like one a little bit more like, um, charismatic kind of a little more out there and snappy and the other a little more soft-spoken like me and a little more like like tender-hearted I think and and just hearing I honestly there were a couple episodes that stood out but like in general during that time just hearing that other dads were feeling what I was feeling like learning the things that I was trying to google like an hour before <laughs> and and basically just going through the same sort of waves that I was experiencing made me feel so normal and in a way that I, I don't know. I, I feel like no one really can prepare you for being a parent. I like, I'm speaking as a dad, but I mean, I, I can't imagine as a, as a mom, but like, even as a dad, like I, it's all new. And even when you think you're ready, like surprise, you were close, but you were not prepared, <laughs> like, but everyone goes through something similar to that. So like, that that process just really was comforting to me. But I just a little bit of our, do you mind if I tell a little bit of my story yeah. on this one? Yeah, yeah, no, please. So my wife got preeclampsia. I don't know if, if you're familiar, but um, it it's basically, I'm fine. If there's any medical professionals listening, like I'm going to be wrong. Yeah. So bear with me. <laughs> but basically the body is mad at, at mom and baby. <laughs> like So the body is basically starting to like reject the baby. Um, and this is the kind of stuff where, you know, without modern medicine, like mom and baby die. So with modern medicine, there's so much more room and it's, it's not a death sentence anymore. It's like a manageability thing. Um, so Kayla got that, um, about seven weeks before the due date. So, um, and that was like a, that was a scary week. So during that process, her blood pressure shoots up. Um, and the blood pressure stays up. And if it stays up too much, too long, she starts having seizures. Um, if too many seizures happen, she dies, baby dies like that. That's kind of the fearful progression 
if things go really south. But again, we're really fortunate to be living, you know, in a first world country where it's like we have medical care and it's it's management. So during that week, she went into the hospital. Oh, and I should say my kid is two and a half. So this was right at like the peak of COVID um, wow. in America. So it was July of 2020, right at the end of July when this was happening. So they said and they basically told me like, Andy, you can be with her, um, but you can't leave. So once you check in, you can stay. Um, but you can't come and go. You can't come and go. No one else can come in. So we basically buckled up and like, I, I just started a brand new job too. It was fantastic. It was like 10 days before I'm like, my wife is in the hospital and I can't come in. They're like, they were so understanding, so gracious. They're like, go do your thing. We're fine. Go do it. So we checked into the hospital. Her blood pressure was up like crazy. Um, she didn't have any seizures fortunately, but like her face was completely swollen like she started getting, I think it was fuzzy vision or some something messing with the vision. They're like, you know what, we we got to get the baby out. Just like it's time to like induce labor. And then they tried that for like an hour, and they're like, it's time for an emergency C-section. So <laughs> from there, uh, Sammy got out, and and he was he was safe, and Kayla's safe. Um, but he was in the classic Nikki box, right? So he couldn't breathe quite on his own. He definitely couldn't eat on his own. He couldn't keep his body temperature. So he's sitting in the box with all the hoses and the IVs and the monitors. And, and I was having my like emotional distress. (laughs) Um, and another thing with COVID during the C-section, um, Kayla got a fever spike. So they said, I'm so sorry, mom, you have a fever we can't let you see the baby for 24 hours. So Kayla was sitting in the other room after just having had a C-section and she can't hold our baby. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, man, I, I was in there with him in the NICU for quite a lot of that time, the late nights and just trying to like be someone that he can recognize enough. Um, so kind of bouncing back and forth between the two, losing my mind. Um, but through that process, I could still have my, my earbuds in, right? So I was listening to the Direct Advice for Dads podcast pretty much just nonstop. This is the Direct Advice for Dads podcast or the Dad Pod. Yes, hello and welcome to the Direct Advice for Dads podcast, the podcast by dads for dads, all dads. My name's Ross Edwards. I've got a boy aged five and a girl aged two. And my name is Dan Vandermeer. I have a girl who is 12, a girl who is 10 and a boy who is seven, Ross. Yeah, man, like having community, having people who like have done this or something similar before made all the difference in the world for me. So we talked about, you know, reaching out to them and and letting them know your story. We're actually doing that kind of in an audio format. So to the two gentlemen that do this podcast, what would you like to say to them? Because I'm sure they're going to hear your words and hear us talking about their amazing show. Any any words of thanks that you'd like to share to them for being there in that moment for you guys? Uh, more, more than I can do. I guess, like, I just say that they, like, if you are listening, like, dude, I mean, first of all, like, thank you. Because that, that really, it was there for me at a point where I, I could not have other people in the room to help. And I just say, like, you have no idea the impact that is being made by your sharing your experience and guests and just sharing the authentic that we all go through. Like I, I, 
I never thought about honestly talk, talking to them by voice, but like that. Yeah. And I, I still haven't messaged them. So it's been three years and they haven't heard a darn thing about the way they've been impacting my life. But like as dads like that, that completely shifted my mentality and the way I was able to be there for my son, my wife, and for myself too. Like it, we really have no idea what kind of ripples come from simple actions and obviously more complex actions like putting on a podcast and airing it internationally. So cheers to both of them. Uh, yep, today we are joined by a fellow dad who went through the unique and frankly emotional roller coaster ride of a premier birth. Uh, Andrew Stewart, um, your mate and his lovely wife, uh, Emma's oldest son, was born 15 years ago at just 29 weeks. And he joins us today to share his thoughts and feelings about the experience and how it all worked out for him and his family. Um, Andrew, hello. Hi, Ross. How are you? And for two gentlemen in Australia to know, to find out, that they impacted your family in Arizona. Like, again, do you think they're planning on talking to somebody in Arizona? Probably not. But I can't wait for them to hear the, the, your comments. I can't. I, I, seriously, as a podcaster, I'd be like, what? Who? That would make right. me so happy, man. Like, they were, they were pretty new. If I remember right, it was like the first... I'm going to definitely like under 50 episodes. Like they were, they were kind of babies. So, so yeah, I bet they had no clue that across the world, some dad was sitting in a Nikki recliner, not being able to sleep, holding his, his preemie. Like we have no idea, but it changed my life and it has changed the way that I approach conversations with other dads. Mm. It's just, we going first, right? Like to be the first one to like, put yourself out there and like extend that invitation. It is life changing to be on the receiving end of that. And eventually to be on, on the extending side of that. But like we are so much more connected than we think we are. And it still surprises me. I forgot about it until we started talking about their podcast, (laughs) but Mm. Man, very well, mate. Good to have you on the uh, the podcast. Now, for most of us dads, the birthing experience is mostly a memorable experience for all the right reasons. Um, we're about to find out what happens when things don't quite go to plan. So, Andrew, uh, tell us about that fateful day that you found out your baby was coming something like eleven weeks early. So now let's flip this around, Andy. And I kind of alluded to this at the beginning. Now you're on a show. Yeah, I'm on a show. Talking about <laughs> your story. You're talking about your story, and there might be somebody today sitting in NICU holding a baby, mm. listening to you on Dad Space. And they're like, I can't believe there's someone else in the world that knows exactly what it feels like to be sitting here in the NICU holding this new little fragile little life. And wow. there's someone else there in Arizona that knows exactly what I feel right now. What are you going to say to them? I'm getting out of the way. What do you say to them wow. as they have their earbuds in? They're going through all the emotions. They're going through all the stuff. They feel totally not prepared for this. Andy. No. What do you say to them? Talk to them right now. I mean, honestly, like if someone else is in one of those recliners, like hang, hang in there and just know that like everything that you are feeling is completely normal. And it just, even after spending some time out of it, like two and a half years. I've talked to other people with kids in the NICU. I've talked to NICU nurses, like 
the range of emotions are so freaking extreme and severe and they're all normal and they're all okay. Like in that process, I mean, I felt, I felt huge fear when, when I felt fear that Kayla, my wife was going to die. I felt fear that Sammy was going to die when they didn't come to get me when they should or should have. I'm like, they, they left me waiting for like 15 minutes longer than I was expecting no problem on their end but in my brain that 15 minutes is like oh god here comes here here it comes yeah. right and then fearing for sammy my son's health when he was in his little box all normal feeling guilty for fearing for him when you look next door and see a baby that's half his size on twice as many tubes feeling guilty when other parents come in when other parents don't come in like you're not the only one in the NICU and all of that is okay but it's just it's just a series of swift kicks to the gut and it's all normal and it's all okay and it's all fine to just scrape by make it through one way or another imperfect fights along the way like depression anxiety like all of the things in this process are normal and are fine when i when we got home, Kayla was released. They again COVID, right? So they had to um, they had to get her out and free up the bed while Sammy stayed in the NICU. So we were on a really limited visitation schedule. So we had to go home, and basically we one of us could do one visit per day. When you're when you're done, you got to stop. So Andy, Andy, one second. You, you, so you left the hospital without your son. We left. We had to leave him there. What is what does it feel like to? Oh, because for me. All my kids, all my kids, I came home with me, right? That was part of the thing. Part of the you thing. go in as a couple, you leave as parents, and you walk out together holding your child. You go out to the car, and you do that first trip home. What is it like to, to leave the hospital as a couple without yourself? Horrible, I don't man. Oh, my God. It was, it was the absolute worst. It was the worst. Even though we knew, again, that he was being cared for and watched out gently and like loved as much as, as, as the NICU nurses truly did love the babies there. Right. But like when, so they, it was horrible. I, I can't even express that feeling of like, and again, in hindsight, he was a lot more stable than I thought he was like his vitals were pretty stable. Um, but I of course thought like, he's going to die. Right. Like what if he dies while we're, eating a cheeseburger at the house like I can't I, I oh it's just horrible but they told my wife like hey you're improving and you're gonna have to go home now and I think that is probably the closest she ever had to an anxiety attack I mean like her blood pressure spiked up again and she had that like visceral response that every mother has when it's like you have a one day or I guess at that point like maybe five day old premature infant baby it's like you're gonna have to go home and she couldn't stand um for more than like 20 minutes at a time it turns out she did have some complications from the c-section i don't think they got all of what they needed to clear out so she basically she couldn't quite even make it to visit him and what like even if she could sit in the chair for 30 minutes it's like that's it if you have to go you have to go you can't sleep there you can't stay there you can't go out and come back. Like it's COVID law. 
were locked down. So that was brutal for her, brutal for me, brutal for everyone. But like, we were so fortunate to have family in the area that would, would bring stuff to the like lobby of the hospital and like leave it inside the doors. And I looked at the security guard and he's like, you can go pick it up. You just can't go out. So I'm like, cool. So we had so much support in that process that again, feeling even guilt, guilty for feeling sad, for feeling alone when you're not alone, but you feel horribly alone. It, it's yeah. just, it was a nightmare. And again, all of it was normal. And so many people experience that who get a, their kid and their kid is healthy and happy and safe. And then there are others who yeah. don't. And it's just all of, yeah, man, we, we are so similar as people. Like when we go through hard stuff like that, we can handle it different ways, but man, it sucks. <laughs> so tell me what was Andy like? going in before being a dad into the hospital and then when you're finally able to take your son home how was andy different after the experience now you have this new life in your yeah. home what changed about you as a dad because you actually got the dad title i got then, the right? card so now, yeah. <laughs> right so now what's different between the two andys explain that to me i haven't thought about that but that is a good question um i think the biggest change that really happened then was my ability to hold it together when it was truly a necessity. Um, in like, I have anxiety, depression, like I'm not the best hold it together -er, uh that you're going to meet, especially as far as guys go. Some are like stoic and just like, you can't shake them. I'm, I am not that bad. So it was, I think at least for me as a guy, I think that guys are in a unique position compared to a lot of a lot of women where it seems like the kind of I'm just going to say like the knee jerk response when a woman is in a tough situation is like no one's coming I will handle it and women don't yeah. snap under pressure when it really comes down to it now for my experience and again maybe this is different for other guys but like my experience is like when things get really really hard there's a certain point where you can tap out and help will be there to support you. Uh, so it's like, I need a break, throw your hands up, walk away. And inevitably something comes to alleviate whatever responsibility you left on the table. Right. And that didn't work in the NICU. So that was my first like real trial by fire experience of like, no one's coming. Like if you leave, then he's alone. And if you fall apart, then your wife is alone. And, and there's just nothing, there's no help that is going to make it inside these walls. So you've got to hold it together. And I held it together except for one. No, I think we held it together. Yeah, yeah, I think I held it together. And then when Kayla and I got home without Sammy, I got her into the house and I walked out to my August Arizona heat summer day and I laid down on the sidewalk in the front yard and just had silence and for the first time like let myself kind of fall apart which it wasn't much fall apart but it was it, it was something but yeah man I think that was the first time where I'm like okay when it hits the fan like you can hold it together enough 
and I think I've held it together enough. I've fallen apart plenty, but yeah, but yeah, that was that was an experience. <laughs> and that's the one thing I I want to normalize, Andy, that we can talk about stuff like this as dads, because uh, that was the idea for creating the podcast. Was I just didn't find an an uh, an outlet for men to get on and just talk about, hey, this is what I went through. This is how I did really well, or I didn't handle it very well. And this is what I learned. And this is what I want to tell you as a listener. This is what, this is what real life is like. And you're, you're going to be fine. But just realize that you're not going to make the best choices or somebody's going to throw a curveball at you and you're not going to be ready for it. And just do your best with what you have. And get people around you to either a podcast you listen to while you're listening in the NICU or people bringing you food and supporting you in the waiting room. Find those people (laughs) in that community around you that have you when you feel like your job is to have everyone else. And you're kind of, like you said, bouncing back and forth between your son and your wife, your son and your wife, your son and your wife. And in in that moment, I'm like, but who's there for Andy, right? Who's there for you? Right. Phone calls. <laughs> I had, I was so fortunate to have people who were there through the phone. Like a shout out to Ian, if you ever hear this <laughs> and like our family, but, but man, you need people. You need people. Otherwise it's just, it's a horrible feeling to feel like truly alone. And I was not truly alone, but <sighs> man, we can help each other with like little things. And I I have to go back and correct something. I did snap at one point. I think my wife and I, we had like a 10 minute fight and I'm pretty sure I cussed at her and then I felt fucking horrible and I came back to it later. So I was like something, that's what I was thinking about earlier. Something bad happened and I'm pretty sure I swore at her and apologized like 10 minutes later for losing my cool. So if if anyone's also done that, then... I, yeah. I forgot that that and that's, happened. <laughs> and that's the, re- the reality of things. And, and, you know, it's hard to it's hard to self-edit in those moments because you have so much on you and coming at you from different directions. It's, but I think that's the beauty of a, a strong relationship with your wife is you can be real with each yeah. other and you know that she has you and you have her. And that's amazing. I was talking to um, I was talking to someone she works with. um with couples who specifically are going through um um, what's the word chronic health issues um and about the the stress that that has on both sides of a relationship and she said something that that thoroughly stuck with me she said that um that the conflict in the moment is not what will actually determine the strength or the weakness of the relationship going forward it's the time after the conflict and how you go back and resolve it so I, I definitely, I, I hate losing my cool and like, like having my emotional meltdown. Cause I mean, it just sucks. Like you never really want to do that to your family. And like, it's doesn't feel great for yourself either. But I've thought so many times it's like, Oh, it's the little meltdowns that will make or break the relationship. But it's like studies say no. I mean, I'm sure they have their impact, no doubt about it, but like it's the recovery, it's the reconnection, the relationship right. restoring yeah. The R's <laughs> that keep coming up. But like that, that is what actually will make or break the strength of the relationship. And that that was a huge encouragement to me. And I Love will it. not be forgetting that. Love it. Okay, so Andy, what kind of um 
What kind of things are you learning right now? Mm. You know, you said your son is about two and a half, roughly years old. What are you, what are you learning about being a dad <laughs> that is kind of catching you by surprise? You're like, oh, I didn't realize I'd be learning this lesson. Uh, is there anything new that's happening for you right now? Emotional regulation. <laughs> I kids are kids are remarkable for learning what you think and feel and believe about yourself instead of what you tell them to mm. believe about themselves. Like that is, that is a devastating lesson is that the way that I feel about myself is the way that he's probably going to feel about himself. So like the way that I behave is the way he's probably going to behave. So, so learning to like how to keep myself regulated and like if we talk about like yeah. R- RPM yeah. on a car, right? The tachometer, like trying to get back out of, out of the red and get it back to a reasonable working spot. And like I'm, I'm in counseling and trying to like learn those skills. That is, that is hard work, man. I, that is hard work to feel your feelings and not shut them off. Like I am so used to doing that mm. is kicking my ass. And that is surprising me. <laughs> your story before you mm. were married and back in your, your back, story i guess there's been the times where you've really had some some pretty big mountains to climb right i i would say so yeah i i didn't i wasn't i wasn't a happy kid i'm trying to think how to say that because i grew up in a very fortunate place i grew up in a two-parent home like mom and dad stayed i always knew that i was loved i had all my needs provided for like i had my college paid for which is I'm not sure if that's a thing in Canada, but it is in America. Like it, <laughs> I, I'm trying to remember, so forgive me. But, uh, but like I grew up in a really fortunate situation. Um, internally, I was not doing so well from six. Like six, I yeah, I could get into it. I don't know how much you want to get into it, but um, I very much internalized that like I was a bad person. I was the reason our family was experiencing the conflict that they were. Um, and basically like I, I developed a lot of self-hatred and self-loathing and depression, anxiety and suicidal thoughts and tendencies from a pretty young age that just stuck with me. So, so yeah, I got much better at shutting down emotions, not very good at processing them, not very good at asking for help or, or staying regulated. Like self-harm definitely played a big part in my story. So when I got too worked up, I would self-harm, I'd get an adrenaline dump and I'd feel better. And then it was, I could table it. I could put it on the back burner and kind of keep going. Um, and that that stuck with me, unfortunately. And basically, I just kind of never really figured out how to handle my emotions. And then when I've got a little two-year-old with his emotions, plus my emotions, plus Kayla's emotions, yeah. like it, it has been some like next level learning where it's like, all right, we've got to address this in my and again this is it's in my mind i'm like i've got to address this so i don't impact sammy with the stuff that i could be addressing right. that i'm not so like that that's kind of uh, there's probably a little bit of trauma in that one too like i i would love to get to the point where i'm doing it for myself but at this point i'd say i'm still trying to do the work for for him but whatever whatever reason is good enough for right now. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing that. The other thing we, when I look at your email address, when we set up our meeting together, 
I'm seeing the raft project. Can you tell me why that's in your email address, Andy? Because I want to know what is the raft project? <laughs> I appreciate you asking. Yeah, that that is the the business that my wife and I we we started our business and working at full time. Um, basically around the idea that we need other people in our life um, that we can't we're not built to do it alone. And if we do do it alone, I, I'm going to just make up a, a made up number on a percentage, but like you can only hit like 70% of where you're supposed to be or 50% or 80%, whatever it is, we can't live a full life completely isolated. Just as humans, we aren't, we aren't built to do it. So the idea of, of building a raft, like that's kind of our, our imagery for it. And like that is, that has been the life changing part for me is instead of getting one person my wife to emotionally support me and to take all of my emotions to her, dump them on her and expect her to handle it. We tried that and it didn't work. Shocker. So going out and getting like building my quote unquote raft of getting people to support me in little ways. So I have many more people now to support me in like a dad journey, support me in a financial question, support me in a work question, support me in all these little different ways but I've built enough people into my life that I can like spread out that emotional weight. So now I feel like I actually have a raft that can handle some waves. It can handle some bad weather. It can handle some parts going away, getting replaced, coming in, moving out. Like I have enough of a platform that at this point I, I don't feel like I'm ever alone. I have plenty of people that I can go to. And like that has been our underlying premise of this is that we feel so alone, but we're like, we're, we're not, we're all like drowning right next to each other. Like there are so many people so close, but we are all just, we believe that we're the only ones doing it because everyone else is, is somehow magically better at us at, at masking and kind of keeping their internal problems internal until it spills over someplace else. So like, our goal is to change the way the world does connections so we can start getting more help and more support because it's there. I mean, can I, okay. You said you did go to Phoenix. How long ago was that? Oh, this was years ago. Um, and you, you found a cactus on your way. Was, you said you got stuck. No, no. Well, I went up and I put my hand under one of the needles and it was bigger than my hand. And I couldn't, I'm like, Holy <laughs> cow, this is not fake. These are serious size needles, man. These are huge. <laughs> <laughs> they are some of those things are mean and nasty and they will jump and stick you but the the reason that i i was wondering if you have ever heard of the barrel cactus no. um it probably is not a thing for most people in the world but it is in arizona um so in excuse me in the desert um there's cactus everywhere like everything wants to stick you or poke you or bite you <laughs> sounds like a kid um, yeah. but it, it kind of <laughs> does it's parenting yeah <laughs> but these cactus, barrel cactus, there's moisture inside of them. Um, so they are completely pointy, sharp. Like if you put your hand on it, it'll stick you and it'll stick you really good. But if you know how to get it, if you know how to like get inside of it and get the moisture, it can keep you alive in the desert summer, right? So you look out and it's a barren landscape. Everything is pointy, prickly, and scary. And you think you're going to die of thirst or heat exhaustion, and you very well might. But in that desert, a kind of scary landscape, there are little pockets of moisture if you know how to look for them. And they're everywhere. 
I feel like that is the that is my experience with people when I am like needing connection. It's so daunting because you're like, no one understands, no one could get it because I'm somehow broken and, and just messed up and, and and it's okay. It's all right, I'm fine alone, right? But if you know how to get it and if you can extend that invitation, people have life-giving connection. It just if it's the experience, if it's the feeling, if it's like, oh, I was in the NICU too, or like, oh my God, my kid went through some serious health issue or my dad went through a health issue or I did. I felt that before. It's that connection, that bonding of like, you are not alone and I can sit here with you and like hold a little bit of your weight today. Like that is the experience that has absolutely changed the way that I like go about the world from feeling alone to feeling like there are people nearby. I could walk down my street right now and if I was really in trouble with a certain air, I'd be like, I think I could get some support. I can go to the coffee shop and get some support. I could go to a bar and get talk to someone else there and get some support. Like people go through these same things, but we just don't know how we don't know how to do it. We don't know how to ask. We don't know how to give. It, it's yeah. It kind of sucks how close we all are, but for some reason we still just haven't been able to bridge right. that gap. And the one thing I love about the the name of the RAF project is a raft is great for keeping you out of the water and keeping you alive. But the point of a raft is not to sit in the middle of the ocean or a lake and just sit there. You want to go somewhere. You got to get to safety, right? And you don't just want to hang out in the middle of the ocean. What's the point of that? Right? So right. you're kind of, you have a destination in mind on this raft as well. Beyond survival, you want to get somewhere. So where is the raft right. project taking people from? And where are we going to as being part of the RAF project? That's a good question. So so we basically have kind of two different wings just for ourselves. We have what Michaela and I internally call like our movement side of it, which is basically trying to change the way the world does connection, right? So or speaking events, like podcasts like this, trying to to help people like share our experience and see that it's not as scary as we have it cracked up to be. And there are some easier ways to do it. And then we've got our second side, like our meetings, um, which is basically our community where it's for people who basically feel like they need more community than they have right now. If they're just looking for a place to start where it's like, yeah, great idea. I have no one to call. So it's like, okay, cool. Come, come join our community and then build your own raft. So as you, our goal is to eventually become obsolete because people are doing all this nice. without us. But in the moment, if you aren't able to do it yourself, then we have some place that you can already just come get support and give support and go from there. Okay. So that's kind of a little bit about our organization, but our goal is to help people understand that we are so much closer, connections closer than we think. So Andy, how do people find the RAF project? Where do we go? So we are on most of the social places. So we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on TikTok. Everything is at the RAF project. So, you know, yeah. the little squiggly A, the RAF project. Um, but you can find us there to see what we're doing um, with our, our community. But we also just – did I tell you that we we wrote a book? I don't remember if I told you that we wrote a book or not. You know I have a podcast called Living the Next Chapter for authors. So no, you're coming to that. You're coming to that <laughs> podcast too, by the way. So no, I but tell me about it. the book. Tell me about the book. Well, it's releasing in three days. Um, so – I, I know. I don't know how we didn't talk about this. I'm not I'm not very salesy, I guess. But 
but we we have spent the last few months like putting that together and it's it's a real live full-size book um it's called good and you and it's basically all how to how to get real connection instead of faking it so we i think we try and be there for other people by putting on a nice smiley face and like but it just if we're not okay like we'll never we'll never get the support that we need or we'll never let other people know it's okay to not be okay unless we're willing to like slowly let those walls down but if we always hold it together for ourselves and we're surprised that our friends don't open up about themselves it's like yeah we have to be willing to start being more genuine and more authentic otherwise we're just going to be stuck in this place of faking it so so yeah you can find us uh, at least in three days. I'm not sure when exactly this is going to air, but by April 4th, you can find us on Amazon or probably where books are sold. <laughs> okay, so please put put me down for a future guest spot on my Living the Next Chapter podcast. I have that podcast has 180 episodes in 15 wow. months, so I've got authors You're from around busy. the world. Yeah, <laughs> and that's that's one of the seven that I do, but. Um, that would be a great. I'd love to have you on for that. Um, I love it with that book as well. So keep me in mind for that. I love that. Um, Andy, before we go, uh, one more shout out for the direct advice for dads because I'm sure they're going to listen to this episode. Um, any words of thanks to them for that? <laughs> as simple as it sounds, like thank you for helping me know that I am not alone. Um, the fact that we're do- the fact that we're doing a podcast about being a dad suggests to me that there's a lot of people out there. Uh, obviously new and expecting dads who are hungry for information, which is a really great thing. Yeah. And it only makes us all better dads at the end of the day, which I think is a fantastic thing. So, Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Mate, that was uh, unreal. Really appreciate you sharing your experience. Um, you know, it's, uh, yeah, really helpful advice, I think, for anyone who's going to go through a similar situation. So, mate, you're a champion. Because I, that was by far, by far, like the hardest point of my life that I've ever been in and yeah I truly truly knew that I was not the only one to go through it not the only one to feel what I was feeling and across the globe there are people who have been in exactly the same spot so like thank you for all your hard work even when it seems like you never really know (laughs) if anyone's listening on the other end or or caring or being impacted like I was, and my family has benefited from it. So thank you. So Andy, when you listen to the playback of this episode in the future, I want you to listen to what you just said to that podcast and then take those same words and receive oh. it back to yourself for being on this podcast. From a, That's a dirty trick, Dave. From a listener, That's so smart. <laughs> from a listener who's listening to your words saying, Andy, thank you for all your hard work. Thank you for showing me that I can do what I can do and for being that example to me because you just did what someone did for you. You've now taken that gift and paid it forward to the next person by being a part of this episode. So good on you for doing that. I love you. <laughs> I love you for that, man. Like really you, you have been such a kind, like tender person for me, even in just like the couple of talks that we've had in preparation for this and like, you have been there and seen me and supported me. And I, it is tricky to get that with, with men, especially when you get like machismo involved. Right. But like, yeah. 
I'm really grateful to you. This has been something that I've been really excited about. And, and I feel you, I feel your care for me. I feel your care for your listeners. And, and I see that you, it's so clear to me the purpose and like the reason that you are, are putting this out into the world and doing all the work, the very real work that is involved in putting together seven podcasts and running at a pace like that, like, thank you for being there for me. And thank you for putting this out in the world. I, I think we need it. And I think it's important. Awesome. Andy Izzard. Everyone, please go check out the raft project dot com and all the information will be in the show notes to meet with andy the book good and you coming out in a few days <laughs> like i'm learning so much just the more i talk to you andy i'm gonna find out like 20 more new things about you um thank you for making time to be on the podcast andy uh, thank you for sharing the beautiful scenery behind you but thank you for sharing a beautiful story and a beautiful life and to know that all the mountains you've climbed to get to today to be an example to your wife and to your son I'm just so grateful that you're here with us and that we have the chance to have this conversation and your family has you because uh, there's great days ahead for you and your family thank you for being part of the podcast I love you man I appreciate you thank you for having me thanks for listening to Dad Space today go check us out on all of our social media YouTube all that great stuff you can find us as Dad Space Podcast Real simple. Dad Space Podcast, whether you're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, even YouTube. Email us, dadspacepodcast at gmail.com. We're always looking for great guests to come on the podcast. If you have any feedback for us, let us know here at Dad Space. Looking forward to connecting with you on the next episode right here of Dad Space. Follow us on your podcast app for more. Cheers. To you, Dad. Thank you.